This is John W. Whitehead, author of Battlefield America, The War on the American People, bringing you a message about the state of our nation. Forget everything you've ever been taught about free speech in America. It's all a lie. There can be no free speech for the citizenry when the government speaks in a language of military force. What is the language of military force? Let me tell you. Military police, riot squads, camouflage gear, black uniforms, armored vehicles, mass arrests, pepper spray, tear gas, batons, strip searches, surveillance cameras, Kelvar vests, drones, lethal weapons, tasers, rubber bullets, water cannons, stun grenades, arrests of journalists, crowd control tactics, intimidation tactics, and brutality. Folks, this is not the language of freedom. This is not even the language of law and order. Unfortunately, this is how the government at all levels, federal, state, and local, now responds to those who choose to exercise their First Amendment right to peacefully assemble in public and challenge the status quo of the government. Recently, this militarized exercise intimidation complete with an armored vehicle and an army of police drones, reared its ugly head in a small town in Georgia where 600 state and local militarized police clad in full riot gear vastly outnumbered the 50 protesters and the 150 counter-protesters who had gathered to voice their approval or disapproval of the Trump administration's policies. I'm a former infantry officer. When I see these cops dressed like they are today, the first thing I say is, this is the military. Indeed, this is martial law masquerading as law and order. To be clear, this is the treatment being meted out to protesters across the political spectrum. The police state does not discriminate. As a USA Today article notes, and I'm quoting here, People demanding justice, demanding accountability, or demanding basic human rights without resorting to violence should not be greeted with machine guns and tanks. Peaceful protest is democracy in action. It's a forum for those who feel disempowered or disenfranchised. Protesters should not have to face intimidation by weapons of war. Pretty scary, huh? A militarized police response to protesters poses a danger to all those involved, protesters and police alike. In fact, militarization makes police more likely to turn violence and be very violent to solve their so-called problems. You want to turn a peaceful protest into a riot? Bring in the militarized police with their guns and black uniforms and war zone tactics and comply or die mindset. Ratchet up the tension across the board. Take what should be a healthy exercise in constitutional principles, free speech, assembly, and protest, and turn it into a lesson in authoritarianism, even totalitarianism. Frankly, any police officer who tells you that he needs tanks, SWAT teams, and pepper spray to do his job should not be a police officer in a constitutional republic. Indeed, this is martial law, again, and I'm making this really clear, this is martial law masquerading as law and order. All that stuff in the First Amendment sounds great in theory. However, it amounts to little more than a hill of beans if you have to exercise those freedoms while facing down an army of police equipped with deadly military weapons. But it doesn't have to be this way. There are other, far better models to follow. For instance, back in 2011, the St. Louis police opted to employ a passive response to Occupy St. Louis activists. 
First, police gave the protesters nearly 36 hours notice to clear the area, as opposed to the 20 to 60 minutes notice other cities give. Then, as journalist Brad Hicks reports, when the police showed up, and I'm quoting here, listen to this carefully, they didn't show up in riot gear and helmets. They showed up in shirt sleeves with their faces showing. They not only didn't show up with SWAT team gear, they showed up with no unusual weapons at all and what weapons they had all securely holstered. They politely woke everybody up. They politely helped everybody who was willing to remove their property from the park to do so. Then they asked out of the 75 to 100 people down there, how many people were volunteering for being arrested duty? Given 33 hours to think about it and 10 hours to sweat it out, over 27 volunteered and were rescued and escorted away by a handful of cops. The rest were advised to please continue to protest over there on the sidewalk. And what happened next was the most absolutely brilliant piece of crowd control policing I've ever heard in my entire lifetime. All the cops who weren't busy transporting and processing the voluntary arrestees lined up blocking the stairs down into the plaza. They stood shoulder to shoulder. They kept calm and silent. They positioned the weapons on their belts out of sight. They crossed their hands low in front of them and in exactly the least provocative posture known to man. And they peacefully, silently, and respectively occupied the plaza using exactly the same nonviolent resistant techniques that the protesters themselves had been trained in. Now that's the way to do it. If you listen and be careful, the police can stop violence, not perpetrate it. Again, as Forbes magazine has concluded, this is a more humane, less costly, and ultimately more productive way to handle a protest. This is great proof that police can do it the old-fashioned way, using their brains and common sense instead of tanks, SWAT teams, and pepper spray, and have a better result. Peaceful protests where the police act like police and not the military it can be done. Police will not voluntarily give up their gadgets and war toys and combat tactics, however. Their training and inclination toward authoritarianism have become too ingrained. As I make clear in my book, Battlefield America, The War on the American People, if we are to have any hope of dismantling the police state, change must start locally, community by community. Citizens will have to demand that police de-escalate and demilitarize. And if the police don't listen, contact your city councils and put the pressure on them to do their job. Remember, the police work for us. They may not like hearing it. They certainly won't like being reminded of it. But we, ha we pay their salaries with our hard-earned tax dollars. The conclusion? We must adopt a different mindset and follow a different path if we are to alter the outcome of these interactions with the police. The American dream, and remember this, the American dream was built on the idea that no one, no one is above the law, that our rights are inalienable and cannot be taken away, and that our government and its appointed agents exist to serve us. It may be things have gone too far to save this country, but listen to me, it's our job to try. The Rutherford Institute is doing its part to push back against the police state and make the government play by the rules of the Constitution. But we can't fight these battles alone. To join the resistance, visit our website at www.rutherford.org and check out our library of thought-provoking commentaries, legal resources, and so much more. Subscribe to our email alerts and I will send you my weekly commentary, Rutherford press alerts, and a weekly rundown of pertinent headlines and news articles 
to keep you apprised of the growing threats to our freedoms. And finally, if you are able, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to the Rutherford Institute by again visiting us online at www.rutherford.org or donate using PayPal. Your donation allows the Rutherford Institute to push back against the government's power grabs, corruption, and ongoing assaults on the Constitution. Together, we can make America free again.